You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on Pac-12 draft prospects with Yogi Roth of Pac-12 Networks and take you around the league with Mike Jones from USA Today. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Jaguars analyst J.P. Shadrick. J.P., as always, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with Blake Bortles, who I'm sure is happy to have more guaranteed money coming his way. But is it fair to call this a team-friendly contract? I think so. First off, it's good to be back with you guys, and uh, good to talk to you guys in a little bit. Um, yeah, it is a team-friendly contract, but I think it's a Blake-friendly contract, too. I mean, just sitting with him the other night as we were waiting uh, at the stadium to see, because we had an idea, you know, midday that this was going on, and we had to go down there and be ready to, to talk to him afterwards. So we got there early, about 1 in the afternoon, and Blake got there about 4 and the contracts are going back and forth. And it was, in principle, agreed to, but it was just some language was getting done. So we're waiting, and he's sitting there with us. We're waiting and talking. And he just wanted to get it done and, and not worry about it and not worry about that fifth-year thing and, hey, let's make a deal. So he told his agent, um, you know, let's, let's get this done. I want to be here. Uh, I don't want to have to go worry about it later. I want to go to California tomorrow and start working on throwing football. Uh, coming off the wrist issue that he had, the little clean-up surgery. So um, he was not in it to be a hunt. You know, everybody wants to get a $100 million contract. to get that, yes. But his goal was to sign a second deal with the team that drafted him. And that's exactly what happened. So it works out for him. It works out for the team, certainly. Um, but they have a lot more money now to play with to, to get some weapons around him. So in, in that sense, yes, it is certainly a team-friendly contract because – you can do a lot more things now in the next uh, few weeks if you want to. JP, with, with, with this team being able to perform the way they did uh, this past season, a lot of times it was spite of Blake Bortles. And rightfully so, I think he shined in times and in games that he needed to, especially in the postseason, because you being up 20 to 10, there's no reason uh, for you not to continue or at least make it a better game than it ended up being like, which is a loss, obviously. Uh, but when you see this move being made, do you feel some may feel like there should be a quarterback that has a bigger name, be able to spend more money, and now when it comes to cap issues and problems as you move forward with this young football team where you have a few guys up next year and then after that, uh, you put yourself behind the eight ball to where now you can't keep the nucleus of the team together? Well, I, I think that it, it's, it's an interesting balance, right, Cordell, because they, they do feel like he improved this year, you know. Um, he's not going to be a 70% passer. He's not, he's not Drew Brees. Not many guys are in the league, you know. That's not him. So what they built around him last year was they tried to get that run game going. They have a strong defense that's going to be around for the next couple of years before they really have to start worrying about that. So, uh, and, and they felt like uh, I think the options that are out there in free agency coming up, um, uh, how much of an upgrade really is it? Um, and you're spending a whole lot more money on an upgrade at the quarterback position, a so-called upgrade, and you don't know really what you're getting in free agency. This team, I mean, let's be honest, the last couple of years in free agency, I mean, they've had almost unprecedented free agency classes come through here uh, that have performed above and beyond the contracts that 
they've signed for. So, uh, do they risk that again for a quarterback? Um, that you know, there's a reason why that quarterback's not going back to his old team. You know, so and it's a lot more money thrown out there, twenty five, thirty million bucks a year. I mean, that's a lot of money for a guy you don't truly know. Um, so they know Blake, they know his flaws, they know what he's good at. So. They went with it, and and that's that's kind of where they are. I, I don't think there's too much uh, other thought of that. I mean, now that may, like you said, they're set up to uh, to worry about that free agency stuff with the guys on this defense, especially in the next couple of years. Uh, they can put some pieces in on offense now this year, uh, draft well again, uh, and then this is the window. You know, the, the window's open now, so. Keep the quarterback here. Keep some consistency on, on and at least in that position, and then build around that. I think I think that's as easy as it came down to. I don't, I don't think they really overthought this thing too much, uh, except for that. I, I don't think they wanted to go spend twenty five, thirty million on a guy that eh, is he that much of an upgrade? You just don't know, you know. Chatting with J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars Radio Network, Jaguars.com. You alluded to cap flexibility, so let's connect the dots. The Jaguars now have more room when it comes to the cap based on the signing of Blake Bortles to make other moves. How do you think this directly impact Allen Robinson's contract situation? Yeah, that's a good question. Him and Aaron Colvin, I think, are the next projects here. Um, Aaron Colvin, the cornerback, who plays the nickel spot on that defense. Um, for Allen, it's, this is an interesting uh, kind of thing right here. They're talking, of course. They have been talking for a little while to try to figure this thing out because the team wants him around. They drafted him. They like him. Uh, that's one thing that they missed on this offense last year was a true deep threat down the field, a guy that can jump over uh, defenders and, and make plays down the field. They had the young guys play well at times and, and this and that, but you still had two rookies and a first-year player a lot of times on the field at, at wide receiver last year. And that's not ideal uh, <laughs> no matter who your quarterback is. So it, I think it's uh, number one, yeah, get Allen Robinson back if you can. Uh, the franchise tags there if they need to, to do that, but I don't think they want to do that. I don't think Allen would, would want to do that, you know. Uh, he wants a deal. And I think they feel like, at least Allen Robinson camp, that when, if he gets out in free agency, I mean, there's not many other wide receivers that are out there in free agency this year. So he's got an opportunity maybe to, to test the market if he can get to free agency and see. Uh, but I think the team wants him. I think they want to get a deal done before it even comes to that. Uh, and I think they're in the process of, of trying that right now. And and for Aaron Colvin, too, don't, don't underestimate that one uh, on defense. Those are the two big targets, I think, in the next couple of weeks before the league year opens. But, uh, yeah, A-Rob, boy, when he went down that first drive of the season in Houston, uh, it was so unexpected, so shocking, and, and it kind of changed uh, a, a lot this season. It really did, uh, looking back on it, because they just didn't have that guy that you could throw the ball up to and and trust that he would get a 50-50 ball. Um, and they could have certainly used that in the last month of the season and in the playoffs, too. No, no, no doubt about that. So, um, got to get him back. I don't, I don't know the, you know... Uh, I have a feeling that the talks are going, they're going okay, you know, but you never know until the paper's signed. Uh, so, you know, two months ago, you would have thought, oh, no, t- yeah, he's definitely coming back. Gonna... But now, you know, the talks are going, you never know until that paper is signed. So, uh, from the team's perspective, they want him back. Uh, does Alan want to be back? I'm sure he probably does. But it's just a, a financial issue from, from uh, at least right now. 
The nucleus in the majority of this team will come back next season. Having Blake Bortles probably feeling a little bit more comfortable may allow him to to relax and not feel like he has to press and try to do too, too much to impress. But does this team have enough to make another run to an AFC championship game or even a chance to get to a championship game? I think so, yeah. I mean, they got that defense, man. I mean, that's <laughs> you got a group like that on the other side, uh, and they can they can do a lot of things to to help an offense out. Uh, if an offense like this offense did last year struggles at times, um, then they can pick up the slack. I mean, just take for example that wild card game against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the defense had that game locked down. Buffalo wasn't doing anything on offense that day. Uh, and neither were the Jaguars on offense. But all you do is that you just need a score. You need a touchdown somehow on offense. Blake wasn't throwing the ball well. The run game wasn't there, which was really a, a, an issue the, the back half of the season. Consistency in the run game. Yeah, they had the numbers, and they were first in the league, and I get all that. But it, it just didn't have that feel the last month of the season, especially, and, and especially in that playoff game against the Bills. So Blake was able to, to run on his own, which was a big reason, I think, early in the season why he got the job. Uh, you know, Remember, he was pulled out in the preseason. So uh, his mobility helped out there. Um, so this is, yeah, they have some pieces. They have parts, and they've got uh, – They've got. They know what it takes now to, to kind of get to that point. And now I will say the schedule this year is a little tougher. Uh, it's a first place schedule this year coming up. The division's going to be tougher now. Houston with uh, Watson coming back and Watt and all those guys coming back. Uh, Indy's got a new field. We'll see what happens with Luck. You never know there, obviously. And the Tennessee with a new coach, Mariota. They beat up twice last year. Tennessee did so. Uh, it's a tough division. It's a first place schedule with the uh, the Steelers and the Patriots and the Eagles and the, the list goes on and on. But this is a group that could be better too. You know, I mean, they were good last year. I think they can. They feel like that they know what they have to do to get to that point, and then get beyond that point. Now is the next step, and they feel like that uh, they can do that again. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think this is a playoff team for sure. And if you think about where this team was just a season ago, three victories all the way to the AFC title game, a remarkable turnaround, talking Jag football with J.P. Shadrick from the Jaguars Radio Network. J.P., last one for me. So much conversation, understandably so, about Tom Coughlin changing the culture, but how much credit does GM Dave Caldwell deserve for putting this roster together over the years? I think it's huge. I mean, the only only thing you could really – um, put on the negative side for Dave was that first draft class, you know, the, the 2013 class. None of those guys are here. I mean, they're all gone. Now, that 2013 draft, the first round, you can go through every team in the league in the first round that year. There's not many guys that um, performed up to first round uh, draft status in, in that in that draft. So, but after that, I mean, the 2014 draft, it's Blake and the three receivers and the you know all that stuff. And the year after that, it's you know, Telvin Smith was that same year also. Um, so the, the drafts from 14 on are all Dave Caldwell. And, and then the free agency, uh, two years ago especially, was Dave Caldwell. I mean, getting those guys in here. Uh, last year, Tom Coughlin was here for the first time. Uh, was only here for a couple of months before free agency opened. But it's Dave Caldwell that's the day-to-day negotiator for free agent stuff and all that. Uh, Tom Coughlin kind of is the helm of the ship, if you will and runs the show, yes, but Dave is vital to this, and that's, um, that's why he's around still, first of all, and that's why 
when they were doling out extensions the other day, last Friday, when they extended Tom Coughlin two more years and Doug Marone. That's why they extended Dave Caldwell two more years as well. Uh, when when Coughlin came in here, it was a big question. Well, how is this going to work? You know, Dave's been the guy. He's not the guy anymore. It's been so far so good. I mean, they've, they've worked well together, and, and they have a pretty good system going. And, and Dave is a... Uh, a major piece of that uh, of that organization. There's no doubt about that. But what he's done over the last few years, uh, yeah, don't underestimate that at all. His ability to put this roster together, and and the the contracts that come with that, and the way they work the contracts and give some upfront money, but they don't kill the cap and and roll some things over. It, it's been. It's been very good, and don't don't forget either. John Itzik's in the building now mm-hmm. too. Now the last couple of years, and he has a big part in in those contracts and how they're set up for the long term, and the the financial you know stability of this organization is is a big part to Itzik, but certainly Dave Caldwell. And certainly a great time to be talking Jaguar football. JP, as always, we appreciate the insights because we control Cordell Stewart's schedule. If you ever need a guest on the Jaguars radio network, just reach out. Cordell's ready to talk Jaguar football. I know he always is, and uh, I will certainly take you up on that. I appreciate you having me on, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB spring training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, focusing on today's top headlines with Mike Jones of USA Today. Mike, thanks for taking the time. You saw a lot of Kirk Cousins when you work for the Washington Post. He's going to get a ton of money from a team like the Jets or Browns, but is he really worth $30 million a year? And I know worth is a loaded term. Yeah, it's a loaded term just because of the quarterback position. You know, we see the price tag on these guys where a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's played seven games, uh, got $27 million. So Kirk's going to get somewhere between 28 and 30 million will it exceed that we'll see it depends on how many teams want them and how badly if there's a bidding more than yes but say you know we saw jacksonville take care of their quarterback position say uh, minnesota gets theirs taken care of and you have fewer teams to bid then it'll still probably be in that 28 to 30 range uh but if you know there's a lot of teams and they really are competing then maybe we'll go above, above 30. When you think about that Jacksonville Jaguars team that actually ended up taking care of their QB, I mean, he took them to help be a part of taking them to an AFC championship game. Some are questioning why give him that money uh, because of the bigger picture of what he's done so far up until this point. Do you think it's more confidence or is it more of a business move that they made to grab uh, Blake Bortles for the price? Well, I think it was a business move. If you look at it, what they did, yeah, he's got – uh, some things to still work on. He's got to grow and develop some more. Uh, but they save themselves some cap money by by the new structure of this extension. And also, the guaranteed money of this deal is 26 million. Uh, that's not a lot 
when you consider how much these other guys are getting. So they got a guy that they said, okay, let's give him another year in this system with this coach to see if he can grow and improve. And if he doesn't, they're still not on the hook for a a huge amount of money, and they can go out and and get somebody else. But because they were able to spread, you know, lower that – cap figure and save some money, they can use that money, and they better use that money to give him some more weapons to work with, uh, improve his offensive line in front of him, uh, and, and we'll see how it all plays out for them, but they had a chance to upgrade, but they just felt like the free agent market was going to be a little bit too rich for their taste, and they wanted to give uh, Bortles some more time. Chatting with Mike Jones of USA Today. Mike, how do you see the Vikings quarterback situation playing out amid reports? They will not be using the franchise tag on Case Keenum. Could they be in the market for Kirk Cousins? Uh, it's very possible that they could. Um, that was a, a question going into this offseason. Yes, Case Keenum did a great job. 11-3 and as a starter, took him to the NFC Championship game. But nobody really knows how they saw him long-term, if they felt like they could upgrade at that position, um, you know, did they want to franchise tag him? That's committing a fair bit of money uh, to him. And maybe they feel like they can continue to negotiate and see if they can get something done. And if not, uh, maybe it's because they do want to go after Kirk Cousins. It seems like that'd be a spot where he would have a desire to go to. He's continually said he wants to go somewhere where he can win uh, consistently, not just, you know, be right there on the edge. He really wants to compete and contend. That's a team that's got a great defense. They've got a, a strong running game. They've got talent around at the skill positions. And so we'll see uh, how that uh, plays out here for them. But I do expect that if if they are coming knocking for Kirk Cousins, that's somewhere he'll really strongly consider. When you mention that he wants to win continuously, um, that also may involve money because if you look at some of these teams that may be able to pay him handsomely, uh, the Cleveland Browns, if they chose to make a move uh, to grab him, you think uh, that could be a big deal. And I, I like the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I know they say they love him in Miami. Uh, when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, they like him there. Uh, but also you have Buffalo out there. Do you see those being one of the two teams, Arizona and Buffalo, where we can possibly see a Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I think Arizona and Buffalo would have a stronger chance than uh, Cleveland would. Uh, from everything I can gather, they want to draft a quarterback and draft them high, and they don't want to spend that kind of money um, on a quarterback. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, that's not somewhere that's going to be really attractive to him when you look at all the deficiencies that they have. Uh, he's been in a situation like that where the cupboard's kind of bare and they're trying to add pieces um, to the mix. And so I think that he's looking at teams, like you said, Buffalo's a team that made it to the playoffs there. Um, a quarterback, improved quarterback position would be able to help them go further. Arizona, we don't know. That's They're kind of starting over with a new head coach, but they've got some pieces there. Obviously throwing to Larry Fitzgerald, uh, it would be uh, something else that would be another spot that it seems like he would uh, consider, in addition to uh, maybe Denver as well. Mike Jones, USA Today, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Mike, Marcus Peters, only 25. All pro at his position, important one, cornerback. Are you surprised the Chiefs, according to reports, could even get a first-round pick for him in the deal that won't be finalized until the start of the new league year with the L.A. Rams? Well, you know, from I was asking around at this, and some people say that the rep about him is that he's difficult to coach. Um, and, you know, you don't know if that had something to do with it. Uh, but it's a great deal for the Rams. They get a, a very talented guy, uh, didn't have to give up, uh, like you said, a first-round pick. The Chiefs, this is a guy that I know that there are a number of guys on that team that are upset to see him go because they, they felt like he's a difference maker and they don't want to take steps backwards. Uh, but uh, the 
Chiefs management, Andy Reid and them, decided that, hey, let's move on from him. And, uh, you know, they get some picks, and they just got Kendall Fuller, uh, another cornerback, in the trade for Alex Smith. And so it looks like they're kind of retooling in that secondary. Meanwhile, the Rams, who really uh, took everybody by surprise last year, get even stronger and look like they're set to continue to contend. Mike, when you see this this draft and also free agency, it's really about the quarterbacks for some reason this year. Whether it's, as yeah. I mentioned, the draft, free agency, you got Kirk Cousins, you may have a Tyrod Taylor, you never know what's going to What's going to happen there? You got A.J. McCarron who's lingering around and can slip on someone's football team. But you have these kids in a draft. What's going to determine, you know, how things can shape up when it comes down to the draft? Is it that these guys signed before or them having to wait afterwards? Well, I think it's going to be about fit. Um, and then also how close the team is to winning. Um, if they feel like, okay, we know long term we're going to need a quarterback, uh, but maybe we'll get we'll sign a bridge guy. Uh, I know that there's been some speculation that maybe Denver would go out and sign somebody like Keenum and still draft a rookie high, uh, so that way that kid can sit behind him for a year or two and then step in and be ready to go. So it's really going to be interesting um, because yes. There's, it, it sounds like there'll be five guys that could go in the first round. There's going to be another collection of guys going second and third round at that quarterback position. But, again, there's a lot of guys on the free agent market. Um, you know, Obviously, Kirk Cousins is a guy that we talk a lot about. Tyrod Taylor, like you mentioned, um, A.J. McCarron, uh, Drew Brees, although it sounds like he's in, he and the Saints want to get something done there. There's a lot of guys there. There's not, you know, star lock you know, stone-cold lock franchise uh, quarterbacks, but definitely guys that can play well for you. So it's really going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out with that and this quarterback deep draft. Chatting with Mike Jones of USA Today. Mike, last one for me. How do you think things are going to play out between the Cowboys and Des Bryant? Des went on the radio the other day in Dallas, said he's not heard anything about taking a pay cut, but you know all the reports suggesting he might have to to stay with America's team. Yeah, you know, we'll see definitely is they in the next, you know, next week is when agents and team officials start huddling up. They talk at the combine, um, you know, after hours and as the they get down to the wire right before the start of free agency, you're going to see guys start getting their contracts redone or guys getting released and things like that. We'll find out with Des. Um, it, it seems like that's where it's headed as far as uh, restructuring. Just because he hasn't heard anything now doesn't mean that it won't uh, be something that it gets, uh, gets done before the start of the league year. Mike, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again today here on NFL No Huddle. All right, thanks for having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in has what you need and when you want it, when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip-hop beats. Sit down. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we welcome in Yogi Roth from Pac-12 Networks. Yogi, thanks for taking the time. Like you, I work for Pac-12 Networks. I went to grad school at USC. So to be transparent, I'm biased when it comes to Sam Darnold. I'm a huge fan. But is it fair to point out he was dealing with injuries this year on the offensive line when we talk about the number of turnovers he committed? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to give Sam. I mean, I know Sam really well. Um, we did a podcast all season long, and thanks for having me on, guys. I'm a big fan of both of your works. Um, I think that there's a combination of stuff. I mean, number one, this is this past college football season was the first time that Sam Darnold dealt with the hype that comes with the profession and the position with an offseason heading into a season. You go to his high school year, he was hurt as a junior. Um, not a ton of hype heading into his senior year. Obviously, in college, the first year he started, he came on you know, after a couple games and then blows it up in the Rose Bowl and he's on the cover of every magazine. So I think there's an element that he would wear, you know, and we talked about it openly on, on the podcast this season of Sam all season long. So there was a, a new element of getting comfortable. Um, you're definitely right in terms of not only online, but, uh, you know, receivers and having to get comfortable there. Uh, but I looked at his picks and, and Cordell, I'm sure you've watched every snap and, and Brian, I'm sure you did as well. There's only two out of his picks. There's only two of them that I say, are really bad picks. The other ones, he's completed those throws a lot. So to me, it was a combination of a lot of things. I think they just go to his numbers, uh, like some reports have. Of, oh, just a turnover machine. Um, it's a little inaccurate. The fumbles are cause for concern. Uh, but but I've known Sam for for a while now, and he's putting in some incredible work, uh, gearing up for the combine, and and he's going to be a star. I think everyone probably would agree with that uh, when he settles into the NFL. He's still. You know, a young a young man and developing into the snaps that you need and the reps that you need. I think to to thrive at the position. Now you mentioned he's a young man, and, and and I agree that he does have some talent. But being a sophomore and going to a team, if he's number one, he's the number one choice in the National Football League. He goes to the Cleveland Browns. How does that enhance his star to be able to be as bright as it needs to be? When we all know. When you're the first quarterback taken in a draft, it's to the worst team in the National Football League, not because he just had a bad year. It's sometimes because the organization is not that good, and Cleveland is an organization that's not that good. Yeah, it's a fair question, man. And uh, I don't know if you remember it, Cordell, but I used to work out. I'd sneak into some of your workouts when I was at Pitt, and you were at the Steelers <laughs> back in the day. So right. always uh, a fan of your work ethic, man. But Sam's going to be fine. I mean, Sam's the guy that he could go to Cleveland, and he he's incredibly optimistic. I mean, this young man is persevered through a lot in his life. Um, he hasn't had anything handed to him. I, I think he's a guy that can go in there and and he's not going to command anything with the way that he talks, but the way that he plays, the way that he prepares, guys will rally around him. You know, I've always felt that the it factor um, is defined as the following. You walk into the room and people can feel you and sense you, but you also make them better. And and that's Sam. You know, I, I truly believe that. In every situation he's been in, in any sport that he's been in, whether he's playing linebacker or quarterback in high school or hoops and you know going for 30 and 12 and 7 as a high school basketball player balling out at SC he's got those intangibles that I just think are really unique so I think he'd, he'd be perfect there to be quite honest with you is it the ideal situation for any athlete coming off of a team that has had the you know the decade that they've had probably not but Sam's not going to be somebody that's going to look at that if, if that does happen and say well it's a big uphill battle he's going to say well what an exciting opportunity and he, he'll turn that team into a four-win team. Let's just play extremely conservative. And they'll love him, you know. And, and I, I could see him being uh, among the list of guys that are on that infamous picture of all the quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns over the last 10, 20 years. Uh, Sam will be a guy that uh, won't try to fix everything by himself, will come in and do his job, and he'll naturally just get to work. I mean, he, he, to me, he's a, he's a big-time player, and I think he'll be the face of the NFL just like quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Brett Favre and Drew Brees and Cordell yourself. Uh, I think he's going to be that type of player in five years. So I I don't think it's uh, a terrible scenario for him. 
Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's move across town in L.A. to Westwood. As you know, Josh Rosen of UCLA has had strong opinions on a variety of topics. How do you think NFL teams are going to view his personality? I think Josh is going to thrive. I think this is going to be an awesome week for him. Uh, I always think of the combine. It's like we, we spend, what, we got six weeks, eight weeks to just kind of hammer around, battle around. I'm sure you guys are doing it daily on your show about prospects and rumors and thoughts and projections and where they sit in the social archetype of the world. And then they go to the combine and usually prove whatever that criticism or thought is wrong or right in, in their eyes. And I think Josh is going to go in and just wow people. I mean, this is a young man who's, uh, yes, he's made uh, three mistakes in terms of social media, whether it was the hot tub, whether it was the Trump hat, um, or whether it was his opinion on college football uh, in the Bleacher Report article. But he never got arrested, uh, never late. Every one of his teammates would rave about him. Um, he goes to work. He's had three offensive coordinators in three years, and I think a beautiful progression in terms of spread wide open, Noel Mazzoni, super pro-style West Coast with uh, – uh, uh, Kennedy Palomalu, and then obviously last year with Jed Fish, kind of a hybrid of what NFL teams are running. So I, I think he's going to wow people in the meetings. I think he's going to wow the media. Um, I think it's really interesting because his interests lie in the business world, and he does see the world from a different vantage point, and he's gotten criticized for that. But if you have a clothing line or if you want to be an artist um, or want to make movies, you're, you're embraced. I, I think for Josh, it's just kind of interesting that that's kind of been a narrative around him. So I expect people to fall in love with him. And, and again, I think he and Sam are going to be quarterbacks in this class that are going to play for as long as as long, as long as they want to. I could see both of them having eight to ten-year careers as starters in the National Football League. And Josh is probably more ready right now because of the amount of snaps and the diversity of offense he's had to learn and the struggles he had on a team. When you look at what you just mentioned, which is these young players coming out of college that are immature young men uh, that are trying to find their way and not understanding how serious it is until truthfully get an opportunity like this. So to carry that, you know, making mistakes, how about Baker Mayfield? I mean, he's done something on the field with his size uh, that was better than most. I mean, he became the Heisman Trophy winner, went to the post, went to the playoffs and ended up losing to Georgia, which that was one of the best games I've seen, I would say, throughout the entire season. Uh, but he has a, a swagger about him that's different than the rest of the guys. Give me your take on him. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, I mean, imagine when you were playing or I was playing um, and Instagram was around. <laughs> so I don't think the immaturity is different than when you and I played, to be quite right. honest with you. You know, I don't look at what Josh did or, or Baker at times different than even Brian Bosworth, right? It's just yep. magnified. And I think that's a big, that's a, that's a really important thing to note on. I mean, you look at, I call it the iGen, the iPhone generation. And 18-year-olds, their mental development in studies is 16-year-olds. And 16-year-olds are 14-year-olds. My point is that it just slowed down from social skills, right? And there's an element now of all collegiate student-athletes, and I see at the high school level with the Elite 11, is that they are not considered brands, but they are brands. They have 30, 40, 60,000 Instagram, Twitter followers. I mean, they have an agenda. You look at signing day this past year, a lot of student-athletes, when their announcement said, I'm going to commit to, and then before they said the school, before I say my school, I want to thank X protein company, X training facility. I mean, they're, they're literally branding companies and training facilities and then announcing where they're going to spend the next three to four years at their institution. So the, the vision for athletes now is just totally different than I think it was when we were playing then. But to answer your question about Baker, I remember him at Elite 11, and I showed him this at the Heisman when 
Uh, we did a one-on-one. I was covering it for the Pac-12 Network. I said, he said, I remember you from back in the day. You guys didn't pick me. And I said, you're right. You know, we missed on you. Everybody missed on you. And then I showed him a picture of himself at, at 16 at the workout. And I was like, come on, man. You got to show me a little love here. Um, and this is a guy who was, you know, maybe 5'10 and a half, 150 pounds, and has clearly earned it. And I look at him as a guy who was a former walk-on and got a scholarship. He's got a chip that is awesome. Uh, you look at him as a performer. I'm sure you've studied him, Cordell. Uh, when he's off-platform, he can be magical. I and mean, he makes yep. so many unique talented throws the question will be around him is his behavioral pattern you know same around josh same it was with johnny same with marcus everybody's behavioral pattern to me represents and reflects who they are and that's what you're going to get with baker you're going to get a guy with an edge because he's created that in his mind and and you kind of have to as you know and i know and b you've covered a ton to to just survive let alone thrive so i like his skill set if he is two inches taller three inches taller he, he might be considered a top five draft pick and some people have him uh, in the top 15 right now. So I think that he's got the tools to play well. He can make every type of throw you'd ask. Um, their system um, was obviously wide open. Uh, he's got the competitive temperament. To me, the questions are going to be about you know his behavioral pattern and, and to talk that through. Um, and, and that, to me, is a fair question. Uh, being around him as I've been, uh, I'm a fan. I, I can't wait to watch him go and play. I think guys are going to love him. But you're right, it's different because now your locker room is no longer – young college student-athletes or mature college student-athletes that will rally around you. It's a 30-year-old with three kids. And that's always a hard adjustment for anybody, um, specifically quarterbacks, at least with everybody that I've always talked to uh, that have made the transition to the NFL. So it'll be fun to watch him do that, but I, I totally think that he's capable. Talking draft with Yogi Roth of Pac-12 Networks. How about another USC player? What are the skills they're going to make Ronald Jones an effective pro running back? We interviewed him at the Combine. He's in a very impressive person. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, you look at his background coming out of Texas. Uh, I, I was in the SC facility. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story. First day of practice, training camp, when he's a true freshman. And I'm watching film after practice with the old staff, Steve Sarkeesian and the crew. And we watch his first touch. And he calls the whole staff in to watch that carry. And we say, yep, that's what the Heisman Trophy running back is supposed to look like if you play out in two or three years. I mean, he's just always had that dynamic ability you know overshadowed i think from a coverage standpoint because of what sam did uh was injured a little bit so that hurt him after a standout freshman campaign but you looked at the way he runs you look at the style in which he runs uh you look at when he is healthy how dynamic he can be i mean he's got elements of melvin gordon but he's got real speed i mean legit speed i'm not I'm, i would assume he's going to test i'm not sure if he is or he isn't uh but this guy's uh, a big time performer and when i think people will really get around him get a great point of view on the game. Uh, he, he's seen a lot. I think when you're at SC, you get exposed to a lot, good, bad, and different. Um, you talk to his coaches, uh, especially last year, Dalen McCullough, uh, who really trained him in ball security. You look at the numbers and the way that he carried the football, the way that he lowered his pads and he had to fall forward and get yards. They ran a scheme that will easily relate to the professional level in terms of the reads and the pass protection necessary to be in every down back. And I think physically, uh, he's got those tools. So, Somebody's going to get him, and, and he's going to be one of those steals at the running back position because the attention will inherently go to Saquon Barkley, and it should because he's a freak. But Rojo's going to be a steal in this draft, in my opinion, at least in terms of how much people talk about him on draft day compared to week seven of the NFL season. I know we have a tendency in, in playing a quarterback position. We would like to talk about that sometimes. But there's a player out in San Francisco that's playing linebacker right now. 
um, that I thought during the first year, uh, Reuben Foster, when the time on the field, he was solid. Okay, and now all of a sudden you have this young kid coming out of Alabama again, another linebacker, Rashawn Evans. Give me your take on what he can do, because uh, I think they have him, what, content to Oakland, where he can actually go in and help out someone like a Navarro Bowman. Give me your take on his lateral movement and how he runs downfield when it comes down to making some plays on the run in the running game. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to watch just the linebacker position, I think, in this draft, right? I mean, Roquan Smith is just freaky out of Georgia. The way they've developed players in Alabama, to me, is as, as good as they've been. Uh, what I'm excited about is, you know, when you talk to players now, uh, is their functional football intelligence. And you look at an institution like Bama where all three layers really fit well together. You look at, you know, the trend in college football, in my opinion, last year was match coverage, which uh, if you're listening, it's it's a form of zone and man-to-man coverage based on where receivers run. And if they run into your area, you can pick up man-to-man. If they run out of your area, you can pass it off. And, and that group, that position group has done it from, I mean, you can go back, Kind of five years when match coverage really got going with with the advent of the spread offense in college football, specifically in the SEC. So uh, I think that the backers overall, whether you're talking about uh, Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, Roquan Smith, I mean, you can go up and down the list. I think that's a position that's going to play a lot because it's changing, right? I mean, it was a couple years ago. there's a, there's a young man at um, UW, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he came in as a safety, moved outside backer, and by the time his career ended, put his hand in the ground. You know, and I, mean, I think that you have to have that type of versatility to play, and, and clearly they've seen that uh, you know, from Coach Saban and everything they've done. So I, I, think, uh, I think that position group is going to be one to really follow overall in the draft, let alone what Rashad Evans can do because he's such a, a, a physical type of backer. Yogi, great information as always. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it, brother. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.